the words of Troy Sivan, I bloom for Jeff Goldblum. Condé Nasty. I'm the original crazy ex-girlfriend, Priscilla the Sea Bitch. And this is Reading Drag Race, the show where we talk about whatever we want. But mostly RuPaul's Drag Race. Hey, Hersla, how you doing? I'm okay. You know, uh, no, I've got, I've got this uh, quarantine thing down to a science. Uh, I'm, I'm stocked up on the essentials, alcohol and lube, and I, I think I got another month in me. I relate to that very, very much. I've also joined the cult of Animal Crossing, which is funny because I am not a video game player. It's very odd, though, because it's the type of thing where, first off, Tom Nook is a crook. Secondly, it feels very relaxing and meditative and like this is a nesting exercise and everything is inconsequential and aesthetically driven. This is fun. And then you realize like it's just a tiny series of dopamine loops and it's very hard to put it down. And I feel like I go through cycles of like, this is healthy and you're addicted to this game. Get rid of it. Get it, Put it in the other side of the apartment. Hide it. Um, but. Yeah. I, I don't own any Nintendo products. I have a PS4 and I just finished Death Stranding. I cannot describe that game in 50 words or less. A key component of the dynamic of the game is Norman Reedus, the dude from Walking Dead, peeing. You can do it in the game. It's very strange. That's not even the strangest thing. A friend recommended it, and it's very beautiful and very strange. And it might, this is like the perfect time to play a game about a post-apocalyptic delivery man literally walking alone across the country, but it's also the worst. And I'm not Yeah, sure I was going to was... say, it sounds like the worst, not the best time to do that. Well, I wouldn't have finished the game if this were the re- if, if this were the normal time, and I don't know if I would feel bad about that. It's a, it's a fucked up game, so there, there it is. I need to, I'm definitely finding something more chipper <laughs> to play next. <laughs> okay, I get that. Actually, my husband bought Animal Crossing for me, and he has a Nintendo Switch. And he thought that I would enjoy it because the only other video game he's ever gotten me to play involves gardening and budgets because I'm that type of gay. Yeah. Um, but what's odd is he is, I think, also addicted to it now where it's like, can I have the Switch, please? I was just going to play for a half hour this morning before getting started with whatever. Like, I never thought we'd be in a place where it was like we're like bickering over having like who gets to play now it's the quarantine dear if you want to buy yourself a second switch go for it I i'm oh my god it's funny you say that i've never thought about buying a system before but the i should know, i don't know anything about pokemon but po- the most recent edition of pokemon the like legends or master icons their colors are respectively cerulean and magenta so the like uh special edition release of the nintendo switch light is like space gray, magenta, and cerulean. So it's like classic 90s Super Nintendo, but drag it up, fem it up. And I, I've got to admit, the color scheme is is calling to me. You're, you're, I'm very you're, you're worth it. You're worth it. I think I think I am. Um, anyways, with all of that, we should get into this episode of Drag Race. Uh, we are reviewing and recapping uh, Season 12, Episode 9 of RuPaul's Drag Race. So yeah, the girls walk back into the workroom and comment on Jan's positivity in a way that was like, she was always so happy. Sometimes it was like, bitch, why are you smiling so much? But she was always so happy. I thought that was a very funny conversation because I feel like the audience sort of feel the same way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and Heidi 
is delightful in saying she went from having 33 cents to $5,000.33. So she's really leaning into that dark horse queen narrative, and I'm here for it. Oh, yeah. Totally. Um, All right. So then uh, the next day, the girls are in the workroom. And so I remember at the top of the season, I had said to you that it seemed like they were front-loading season, um, like the first episode, Mm -hmm. with a lot of the queens they thought would be big contenders so it felt like drag race is back and it was funny widow commented five of the original girls are there and then only two from the second episode and those two were the winners of the second episode i thought it was very interesting that sherry got shady with widow in that moment and i'm very curious if that moment was in the original edit (laughs) or if they're like we're just gonna when was she bitchy? Let's put that in. But that was that was an interesting, odd little moment. I don't have too much more to say about it than a few of any thoughts, but nah. we can... Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Rue comes in to announce the mini challenge for a kitter, kitty litter company. And I have to say, last week, Ursula, you said something about the FabFitFun product placement being ham-fisted by Drag Race standards, and Buffy immediately retorted and said... Ham-fisted product placement isn't even possible by Drag Race standards. And I completely agreed with Buffy. I have got to say, watching this week, I was like, kitty litter, RuPaul? Like, I, I last week I was like, no, Buffy's right. Like, Ursula, have you been watching? RuPaul will hawk anything. This week was like, oh, bitch. It, it was, this was ham-fisted by Drag Race standards, which I didn't think was possible. Yeah. Um, I... What got me about this product placement was I literally thought saw this product and was like, this is a product for hypochondriac cat owners. Yep. Uh, apparently, it's supposed to be some color-changing litter that's supposed to detect if your cat has some medical condition. Yeah. I only have what I would call a slightly above high school education, formal education in the hard sciences. But one thing I remember from my college chemistry classes is... Any test that depends on the thing changing color will often not change color when it should and change color when it shouldn't due to a host of factors beyond your control. Whatever thing they put in there as the color changing marker for whatever they're trying to test for, I promise you a thousand other things in your home will also make or prevent that color change. This is only for hyperactive cat owners to freak out and go to the vet more often. I bet the vets are very excited. It'd be like giving yourself an MRI every day. Like, it's just like, there's no reason to put yourself through this. <laughs> I agree. Um, Sorry, it just, so yeah. I saw that and I just cringed with my body. Um, no, that you're, being you're... said, I think this one was funnier. It Was it funnier? Or was it more direct? Maybe, maybe it was just that every queen had to do, you have a quick drag, you have an act, move on, that I ended up liking it a little more than the fun fab fit boxes. I think the queens, I, I don't know, I, I'll say I was underwhelmed with the actual performances in FabFitFun, but structurally it was a really okay. simple and basic I get that. Okay. prompt yeah. that drag queens should be able to do. I know you and I would be able to be in that room and do that yeah. with a stranger immediately, and I was surprised that like Jackie and Gigi were the only ones who did good. Um, this week, I thought that Crystal... Jackie and Jada were all great. I know that Jackie really leaned into the classic, like, Eartha Kitt 1960s thing that she does, and that's more on the nose, and Rue loved it. But I loved... Crystal did Grumpy Cat, like, perfectly. Or Angry Cat, whatever. Agreed, And uh, Jada really, really knows how to... Like, the physical comedy of performing 
sex kitten as a comedic figure. She's stunning in quick drag. And like, I thought she did that so well. They, they were all pretty sol- shockingly solid in quick drag. They, they've impressed me with their quick drag throughout the season to the point that I wonder how quick it really is. Um, yeah. I really like Jackie because obviously that kind of 60s reference is going to, you know, get me where I live as well. Uh, I will say it did. I do love Jackie, but she's kind of cementing herself as like the top of my second tier favorite queens rather than even in the bottom of my first tier. And I'll put it this way. Jackie has demonstrated she's like a solid workhorse queen where it's like, we need a job done. She'll do this job. It'll be competent. Like the, the, every, every dot will be, I will be dotted. The T's will be crossed. All the nuts and bolts will be tightened. It will be a perfect serviceable quantum of drag. So it was like, was there anything revolutionary about her Eartha Kit impression? No, but was it consistent and funny? Sure. So I, I, I'm starting to like really land on this perception of Jackie as like a very good workaday drag queen. And that's that, that's coming off shadier than I mean it to, but it's kind of like, nope, there are, there are a lot of people who on their best day will not achieve the consistent competence of Jackie Cox, but it's kind of, it's one more instance of it's never going to be shockingly good. It's not, it's not irreverent or recreating the wheel or kind of doing her own thing mm-hmm. and living in her own fantasy. It's very like unapologetically referential left and right. She's not blowing me out of the water with an absurd scene or absurd or like unexpected performance. And her aesthetic wheelhouse is like clear and she's not like reinventing fashion. I like her a lot going into the season. I thought that I, she would feel more akin to like a Miss Cracker or a Katia yeah. or Alaska than she does. She There's a bit of a Tracy Flick quality to her, but like calmer and you can feel herself producing herself. And even if the messages she's saying are good, you can feel herself producing herself, which I don't hold against her, but she is like, I agree with you. She's not, she's not in my tops, but I do like her. Like even she's the queen, a B, not an A of a drag queen. Yeah, even me. like Bianca Del Rio, who has a similar kind of temporal aesthetic, was such a personality that it kind of forced her way into that upper echelon where it's like it, Bianca commands the room in a way that Jackie never quite has. So it's not just right. the source of humor because, you know, even I who loves Bianca agree with the criticisms that, you know, it's like, it's one look over and over again. It's one very narrow band of humor. I appreciate all that. But for that look, for that band of humor, it is executed with the energy of a hurricane. And I think that is. And the personality of a hurricane. Right. Like Beyonce, Bianca is a presence in a way that she's like almost a force that you can be like, here's my narrow aesthetic lane. My presence is enough to make me stand out even against the most couture of fashion Queens. Who's also funny. Yeah. Like Jack and Jackie is not that. And also I think it's very hard to be that. I mean, I think you're either that type of force of nature personality type or you're not. Um, And yeah. And so it's, it's a sort of an odd parallel to draw, but Okay. So Jackie wins this mini challenge and Rue announces the main challenge. By the way, just side note, the group shot in this picture, Gigi's normcore pants and gym shoes seriously look like Jerry Seinfeld got orthopedic sneakers and his pants pants shrunk in the dryer. I know Gen Z is all about this like 90s revamp of like pale jeans, but like 
Those shoes, ma. Anyways, um, so the main challenge is Choices 2020. It's a presidential debate uh, drag prompt, which feels like a revisit of season four during a much, much different time. Um, So Rue comes back in and does a walkthrough with Raven. What did you think of the walkthrough with Raven? Um, Particularly because they called it Choices, I was really hoping for, for Tatiana um, I understand that Raven was around. <laughs> like, yes. like Raven was like at craft services. Like there was yes. no closer she could be to be able to walk yes. into the room. That being said, Raven does a really good job of taking herself just the precise, correct amount of serious that it always comes off as funny. Like she has this, you know, dark snarky attitude, but she knows exactly how to leaven it in the moment uh, to show that she's not taking herself too seriously, let alone anyone else. So she was delightful for herself, but it was kind of like a, you called it choices. Why would you call it choices unless you had already gotten Tatiana to come? <laughs> I hear what you're saying. Um, I would, I think because they chose choices, they probably should have reached out to Tatiana, but yeah, no, I hear you. I thought Raven was great. I know she's really, like, funny and bitchy and people like that about her, but I also, I just think she's very smart, insightful, and funny, and I like seeing Raven helpful. I thought she was the most compelling and helpful walk around they had, and she was funny the whole time. I like, I like to see the softer side of Raven, personally. Jada saying in the walk around, I'm a real bitch, I don't debate, I argue. I know that. We clocked that the first episode with you. I believe it. It was funny. Um, I do think that should go on her merchandise. Um, And I thought it was interesting when RuPaul walked over to Jackie again, um, that she tells her that she's surprised that Jackie has not won any challenges yet and that she needs to. And don't be too serious about talking about this stuff. which leads to my sort of bigger issue with the very idea of this episode, which is the fact that Rue is asking these girls to be funny and ridiculous about politics in a time like this feels very tone deaf. Politics are really not funny these days. They're yeah. very scary. And it's a weird and flawed prompt to ask these girls to be silly about politics. Again, this is not season four under the safety of the Obama administration. Um, what, what are your thoughts? I agree fully. This episode made me so anxious. My asshole has still not unclenched. Um, okay. It's just, yeah, I I was thinking, uh, you know, since we're all just watching nothing but old TV at this point, I, I did stumble through some classic Simpsons, uh, at the, uh, Halloween episode where Kang and Kodos replace, uh, Dole and Bill Clinton and I thought about it like yeah I remember being a kid and I wasn't as aware of politics as I am now but it just felt different certain certain political norms had not been shredded yet uh, the United States was in its post end of the Cold War glow so there wasn't a sense that regardless of the outcome of the election and I'm not saying a Republican winning wouldn't have been bad but it wouldn't have been in an extinction level event where with a straight face and without the use of hyperbole I think a reasonable person could say that if Trump gets another four years, human life as we know it is meaningfully threatened. And that just means you can't have fun talking about it. 
It's like, I used to enjoy, like when I was a college student, sure, I would enjoy debating and I could do the, well, let's just debate for the sake of debate and devil's advocates and all of that highfalutin nature of debate where you take positions you don't agree with and you suss them out and that's philosophy, yay. This time it feels like if you say any of those words out of your mouth, I will rip it off. Like it just- No, I totally get it. Yeah. I totally get it. I've I, lived the last four or five years of my life at a nine out of 10. Um, and anytime politics comes up, it's just like, like spinning off into something else, a recurring theme in the rest of the walk, uh, walkthroughs, the like, oh, I don't really engage politics. Every time a person who I would otherwise assume for certain reasons probably would fall on the left side of the spectrum says things like, oh, I don't think about politics. Just, again, clenched. Um, it just makes me anxious and nervous because it's like, you could not be more directly affected by these policies. It is, it is like your civic in the way you're supposed to pick up litter. You should be paying attention to these things. Um, and it just, there's, there's no fun to be had here. And the, the biggest problem for me with the whole setup for this challenge is there's no, there's no contrast having a wacky debate in 2008, uh, or even to, or 2012 when, um, it was, you know, Obama versus, uh, Romney, no, McCain, Romney. Who ran first? It was Romney, sorry, brain dying. Um, there was no, in, there was not a level of insanity that there is now, so you could have a wacky debate that would stand in comedic contrast to the actual world. Every crazy out there thing, the most crazy out there thing any one of them tried to say as a joke in that debate has been said with a straight face by an actual member of the federal government in the last three, four years. So there's no, there's no contrast. We, we are living in a parody of the American political process. Yes. <laughs> um, a terrifying dystopic nightmare parody of the American political process that feels increasingly like what will be, get, be the beginning chapters of the decline and fall of the American empire. Um, and so this sort of challenge Made, it just it felt extremely tone deaf on the part of both Rue and the producers to be asking the queens to do this. Um, so yeah, let do you want to head into the debate? Sure. What uh, are your thoughts on the performances of the queens, or, the or prompt yourself? Yeah, the winners of the debate were Rachel Bloom and Jeff Goldblum. They got it and did it the best, I think. Um, they, okay. they got their their role was to in the tone of voice of a sober debater uh, a debate moderator ask a wacky question and they both got it and you could even see like like when when uh when jeff tr tried to lead jackie cox away from another canada joke it's like girl he broke yes and to nudge this where it needs to go that's the kind of feedback you should be taking in real time so uh, I love R Rachel Bloom. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is one of my all-time favorite shows. I think she is a delight. Beyond that, I just don't think, except maybe Jada, that any of them got it. Like, Crystal got close by yes. just being Crystal, but it didn't have the modification to not just be... It wasn't Crystal out of debate. It was just Crystal. Jada really nailed... Like, her shtick was like, I don't even know what the hell I'm doing here. And somehow that was like the funniest thing. Like... Her look over there bit made me laugh out loud. It was the only time during that whole, the whole thing that I did. Like that was like perfectly absurd, and no one else got close to it. Yes, and it also, 
I feel like Jada didn't overcomplicate this. I think a lot of the other girls were like, am I, how much am I emulating a political debate? How much am I going for laughs? And I feel like Jada didn't get in her head kind of conflating and trying to figure out a middle lane or like a one note bit. She parodied this as though we were living in safe political times to be able to yes and with the moderators. What she did was not super complicated. It didn't reinvent the wheel in any way. It like safely acknowledged what this prompt was and she did it very well. She is a gorgeous queen who has a commanding presence and delivered those responses with the right level of this is serious but it's a joke in a way that like really worked and I feel like everybody else really got lost in the sauce. That this was, and I said this to you earlier before we started recording, I found this an engaging and a a moving episode to watch. I enjoyed this episode of Drag Race. I will watch it again. I think the prompt was tone deaf and the performances were flawed because the prompt is so weird. Like, they didn't do well. It wasn't a good, these aren't good challenges and the queens didn't do them well, but I found watching it and the conversations they had compelling and... Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say it this way. Uh, Jackie Jackie's story was compelling. It is a personal story about how our country's batshit racist policies have negatively harmed her family. And it's kind of weird to produce. It's like, when you hear that story, you shouldn't then be like, let's just make gentle fun of this whole thing. Like, that's a stark reminder that all of this has very high stakes and very real consequences that disproportionately hurt vulnerable people. It's, it's like we've any other time the queens engage a personal story related to the challenge like I'm randomly pulling back to like season one when they were doing the was it was it like the makeup commercial where but the benefit it was like for a age charity and a couple of the queens talked about their own experiences or their friends the after sharing their story of how HIV has negatively affected them the challenge wasn't let's make fun of HIV. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, totally, totally. Like, I want to know how you listen to Jackie's story and don't have a moment of how do we modulate this challenge to make sure we're mocking the right thing? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Just my thoughts on the performances real quick yeah. before we move on, because that I agree with everything you said. And it, it sort of it fits with the larger yeah. issue we have with it. I feel like Crystal was struggling and debating what to do with this. And then talking to Rue, it was like, just don't take it seriously be making jokes the whole time. And I think she took that as a directive and struggles with improv challenges. I don't even know if that was fully Crystal or Crystal doing, this is what RuPaul wants to see from me. And she did it, what she chose to do, the, the way that she chose to do it and have it be about glitter and beating this face and being like very light and frivolous drag puns and not even really trying to make it sound too much like something a politician would actually say worked and kept her safe yeah i think she knew that that's a really simple minimalist lane that she could do that would make rue laugh that would keep her safe and she did it well i understand what she set out to do i do think it would be more interesting to have seen her like this she shouldn't have been asked to do this yeah and that in of itself is not compelling to me although i know rue rue is a very smart man who has a very simple sense of humor 
Yeah. Uh, Jackie's performance could have been good if there were a second joke. Like, even just sitting here spitballing. Yeah, the one-dimensional Canadian joke. I, I was just like, what are you doing? I thought you had better comedic sensibilities than this. Right. All she had, like, the the best joke I could think of just sitting here is you start by saying, by with the accidental, oops, I'm really Canadian. Have it break to... I give up my Canadian citizenship. I'm going to be an American now and then be like a jingoistic asshole for the rest of the debate because then the joke is that's what Americans are to the rest of the world. Yeah. No, like there's funny. a punchline in there and it was weird when it didn't go there at all. There was no end point. And I'm like, wow. That, and it you're right. Was it, 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 it was one note. It was a literally sh- one note. I was shocked. Yeah. Like you didn't have a second joke in the hopper just somewhere to give it some even color like it was literally the same joke it wasn't even like the same class of joke like she was the same character the whole time it was just the same joke and that was shocking for me with jackie like me yeah no i i agree i also think that's part of why this episode even though there was so much that was compelling about her what she had to say and what she was speaking to ultimately it felt like i thought you were a better comedian than this yeah um yeah so yeah um all right so moving on from that just noting very quickly i uh i agreed with jeff goldblum's weird long-winded uh compliment towards rue about her grecian goddess look for this runway that was a delight Um, to watch (laughs) yes also i want jeff goldblum to seduce me in the weirdest way with the weirdest vocal cadence possible he is like i think my childhood crush on jeff goldblum is like how i figured out i was gay um (laughs) i love that man so much i want him to do sex to my body Uh, um and whoever his stylist is who chose that glistening um is it was it sequence or glitter i wasn't even sure blazer that like perfectly highlighted his gorgeous silver hair was like ah you are stunning at any age you are a i'm gonna say it you're a zaddy um so now the runway right that's what we're talking about (laughs) getting myself flustered yeah um what did you think of the runway looks this week uh well starting with rue's look it's my least favorite look of the season. I just don't like that braided headband. It looks like a 70s workout video to me, and it never looks like anything else. Okay. So, it, it, and again, I'll say, even for a look that wasn't personally my favorite, it was stunning. It was like everything was, like everything she tried to do, she did. It just didn't do it for me. But I'm like, yep, pussy remains in the up position. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, on the for the runways, uh, I liked Crystal. It's very on brand. The mismatching reds, the kind of weird shapes, like this, like like I think it was Rachel Blue who said Carmen San Diego, and she was right. It was like somewhere between Carmen San Diego and a Mountie. And- I loved this look. I thought it was so chic. Carson had a comment on it, like it was like messy or a little chaotic. I think it's very hard to to like pair all of those patterns and things. I think it totally worked and reinvented the wheel. I fucking love Crystal Method. This was my, by far, my favorite look of the runway. It was so, it was so, I loved this look. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. I don't disagree that it was great. Um, Is it my favorite? Do I have a favorite? Hmm, we'll find you don't out. don't have to have a favorite. They're also different. Yeah. Uh, Gigi's look was good, but it did read as red coat, not American. And it's, what's surprising to me is that's a really easy fix because 
if she were wearing like a blue coat instead of a red coat, she goes from British soldier to Alexander Hamilton instantly. Yep. It's like, just yep. get like a pale blue version of that coat and you are home free. It was kind of, some, that was like a rare misstep for her. Cause normally that kind of detail in terms of costuming uh, is what she is perfection at. And it's a great fucking costume. Like if I wanted a sexy British soldier fantasy, boom, right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who else? I thought Jada's was very clever. Jada's was I great. Jada's, I, I think, is my great. favorite. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great. It was, like, just um, the right amount of sheer, and she structured it perfectly so that there wasn't... Like, we've clocked this all the time. When your illusion netting is for a different race... <laughs> like... Skin tone, but yeah, yeah. 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 Whatever, however she structured it, made it just the perfect amount of her skin bleeding through that it was, it was like, it was so interesting and it wasn't at all tacky, which I think it easily could have if too much was showing. Like, perfectly executed comic book superhero, a comic I would absolutely buy. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I thought Sherry's was an interesting, like, take on sort of a white trash cliche with the oversized hair, like, dragified. I thought it was a good spin on this. Um, It landed more British punk than American for me, but... I mean, I think think a little it intersected with both. Yeah. And I really liked Jackie's look this week. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it is making a political statement. I was worried when she came out in it that they would say you're just kind of swimming in this and it's like a beautiful statement, but whatever. Because I do feel like the choice of fabric and the tiny bit of tailoring that you can do really makes or breaks how elegant this looks. Yeah. And I think this really does read as elegant to me in a way that I I found it beautiful and compelling. And, and it's not just how it looks still in a photo, but the way that it moves yes. on her yes. body. Yes. That's really beautiful. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know if she did design this or if she worked with a designer, but whoever did, I think they did an impeccable job executing this look in a way that was still feminine and should be praised on this runway. And I was happy to see the judges weren't like, you're just swimming in a blanket. Because that was my favorite. Oh, yeah. Well, it's I'm looking at the picture now. It comes in just a little at the waist. The vertical stripes with the shine really give it movement and height. And yeah. I love the and the details are all there, like the the star trim on on the head wrap, right? Um, and her makeup is gorgeous this week. Like it really does. Like there's something clean and pretty about her face that really underscores what she was going for. Yes, it, it, and it, we'll get to this in the lip sync, but it did move fantastically. Yes, and I I am somebody who loves a dress that is made to be walked down a runway where like part of what is stunning and beautiful about it is the way that it moves about your body. Yeah. Um, so I, I loved it. Um, um, go ahead. I was going to say, I like Heidi's look and I like the shape of the wig, but there's something about the wig line that looks so blunt. And I'm not sure what you could do to fix it given that hairstyle, but something about that was just like, it's just sitting on her bald head. It's not looking like hair at all. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, I Hers was my... I think everybody, I mean, I keep saying this about this season. I'm not usually a Pollyanna, but I absolutely am for season 12. Um, this is one of my favorite seasons, and I feel like these girls are very good. Nobody fucked up on this runway. Yeah. I think it was very good. Heidi's was probably my least favorite look. I definitely agree with your statement on the wig, and her makeup is better. But at this point, she's with, like, 
Staggering. Six. Yeah. She's with staggeringly talented people, so I feel like even though her makeup's better than it was week one, it's standing out compared to everybody else so much more because everybody else has got their beat down. The only, like, the only way in which that isn't true is sometimes Jackie's beard leaks through, which she can't really help. Yeah. Like, Widow's look was probably my second favorite. Uh, I, I always like when a queen can interpret the challenge in their own way that's responsive but still personal. I loved the black power statement. It's bold and graphic. And whereas when she glued icicles to her face, I hated it. The stars worked for me. There was some, there's something really striking about the balance and proportion of how she put it together that I ended up yeah. really enjoying it. I think you can see even in the photo Scott on Instagram, Jesus, she still just looks so sad that I think that kind of detracts from the overall effect. But she's given me like this, like Angela Davis drag queen. And it's amazing. And I really thought like, if she could have found some joy, like this is a beautiful look and it says something really powerful. I think it's in, a, right. in, its, in its way, it's as personal and powerful a statement about her Americanness as as Jackie's is. And there was just none of, if there were a little, if the same like pride and happiness that Jackie portrayed in her look could be portrayed here, I think she would have had a better shot at staying. Yeah, but at the same time, there is something solemn to that. And that yeah. actually transitions well to a quote I wanted to share um, from the Vulture recap, which I encourage everybody to go read, written by Paul McCallion, who is an extremely compelling writer. He said of this episode, the, let's talk, talking about the bottom two, he said, Widow and Jackie. The fact that Widow and Jackie end up with the lowest marks is a good summary of why this episode doesn't work. Ironically, the two queens who are most able to articulate their relationship with specific political issues, Jackie with Trump's Trump's travel ban and Widow with police brutality, are the two that end up in the bottom. And I do think that that is a lot of... Yeah. That really accurately says a lot of what's wrong with this. I also do want to go back and say about Widow's performance in the debate, she was playing like a commanding mad black female politician who's like angry and riling up a constituency and again i think that this was a misguided challenge that only jada did well but i don't think widow was anywhere near bottom two agree it's it's hard to split hairs but i'm like sherry she she was sorry sherry at least from what we saw but yeah um it's hard to split hairs but i feel like I just feel like she was playing a particular type of politician that I know, and there's something comedic about that serious intenseness. And she had a few jokes, and she was also talking about real things. She, like, synthesized things. I think she's sooner top three than she is bottom two. Yeah. Um, I, so it was bizarre to me. Yeah, it's it's it, that quote's really on point. It's interesting to contemplate they failed because they did the substance of the challenge, and this is this is not an issue where you can ask people to ignore the substance of the challenge. Yes, and yet RuPaul did. Yeah, <laughs> um, which is which is again what I take issue with with the challenge. I guess let's just tops and bottoms. Do you have? I've obviously expressed my thoughts. What do you do? You have anything you want to say or nothing? We haven't already said like okay. I, I will say it's. I'm not saying I want bad queens to make it far, but usually there's a look I can make fun of. And that's part of how I get my life. And there aren't bad looks on the runway. It's been several weeks since there's really been a look that was like, good God, girl, get a grip. They've at least been, 
Like, even when they're not great, they're solidly executed, clear ideas. And I'm like, I'm used to being able to mock people's headlines well into this part of the season. And you've taken that away from me with your general competence. I hope you're happy. <laughs> That's very funny you say that. I feel like when we started this podcast, I was like, we're going to do this. And you were like, we're not going to just be gays complaining. And I was like, come on, let's give them <laughs> constructive criticism. So it's funny to hear you say that. Um What's funny is I feel like we started this podcast with season 11 and I was trying to be positive, but that was absolutely my least favorite season and probably the only one I will never go back and rewatch. Um, whereas season 12 is remains my favorite season of Drag Race other than All-Stars 2. Um, I think I really enjoy the general competence. Yeah, no, I as do I. I'd much rather watch a show that has something interesting to talk about than failure, but just a little failure, just like a little crouton a failure on the salad of success would be enough for me. I get it. Um, Got to cling to Heidi's hairline. Um, so <laughs> it, It's clear enough. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. The conversation with Jeff Goldblum and Oof. Jackie and what Jackie had to say on the stage. Any thoughts on that, Ursula? Okay. Um, so I'm going to quote an article. Uh, I was looking up the t- on Tom and Lorenzo, the, to, to pull the looks uh, before I saw they were on Instagram. And they had a comment that I thought was actually pretty on point and kind of sums up my discomfort. Um, it's not that the comment itself is inaccurate per se, the, uh, but, you know, there have been plenty of queens that have talked about their Christianity or their re- faith and relationship with Jesus as part of their drag. And no one's ever asked them to account for Christianity's uh, systemic homophobia or misogyny. And it's because it wouldn't occur to us to ask someone to defend Christianity as a Christian. It's just, that's just not how we do not hold the individual Christian responsible for the systemic problems of Christianity. Uh, so the, 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 the tone of the question was just weird. Like I felt he was trying to give her a compliment, but the more accurate compliment would be, you're not just here, you know, you're not just a symbol of what America can be. You're also a symbol of what a queer Muslim can be. Uh, and like, there are plenty of people who may feel isolated in their communities and you're as much a beacon to them as you are on that vector as these others, but it did not come out that way at all to the point that I am stunned it stayed in the edit. I do think it was shady that the world of wonder kept that in the edit. Um, I do feel like Islam is a faith practiced by 2 billion people in a multitude of cultures countries and cultures and the plurality of the human experience and reading of religious text is complex and varied society civilization cultures relationship with religion is multifaceted and i agree what he was saying was not like technically false and the same can be true for how christianity is interpreted in many places and spaces I agree with everything you just said. Um, I am disinclined to skewer Jeff Goldblum for sounding like a person of his age, having a sort of general view of Islam from the United States. I think it's, you know, informative that that's sort of his take. He shouldn't have said it. They shouldn't have kept it in. Something more constructive and well-informed could have been said. But, um... Yeah, it was an it was an interesting moment, and I don't have a whole lot more enlightening to say about it. I yeah, 
Um, it was a we- it was a weird moment in an anxiety filled episode, and maybe that hot hi- maybe that amplified it for me. I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that because yeah, I, I agree yeah. with that. Um, so we have Widow and Jackie doing a li- they're the bottom two, and they're lip singing to Katy Perry's Firework. I've got to say, going into the lip sync, I thought, oh, I didn't think Jackie would be going home this soon. I didn't think there was any way that Jackie could beat widow in a lip sync um it felt like widow was really performing the emotionality of the song as like a power ballad and did a very good job whereas jackie seemed to be playing into the comedy of it but also making it emotional along the way and really um taking advantage of the fluid movement movement of that garment to really express herself as she did the lip sync and as much as i stated earlier in this in this discussion that I thought Jackie's comedic chops were sharper. I also presumed she was not this capable of a lip singer. And I was impressed with what she was able to do with that song. I agree. I think, um, I think what it came down to was widow made the mistake in revert, like sticking to her, like much more like earthy power ballad version of this, of performing like that worked so well for Shaka Khan worked against her in the Katy Perry because Katy Perry's fluff, I don't think even Katy Perry stands to the extent she still has stands would argue she is making some profound comment on the human condition. It's bubblegum. It's, it's, it's exceptionally well-produced bubblegum, but it's bubblegum. And I like that Jackie was leaning into comedy because at the start, it gave her real contrast to widow and that helped. And then like, you could see the light bulb go off where she, once she started tapping into the emotion of the song, it was just unbridled joy. And yeah, Costume-wise, it helped. You're right. The the caftan moved gorgeously. The the lining was beautiful, and it moved. The lining is stunning. The the slits all moved in the right way. It had drama. It had the drama of a dress without being a dress. And then I realized even more drama. Honestly, like on and then then you realize, well, holy shit, she's dressed like a goddamn firework. These vertical straight lines behind the explosion of stars on her head. She's yeah. literally a firework right now. And then she tapped into that in the performance. And it's yes. one of those, had Rue saved Widow, I would not have been outraged. I would have disagreed, but I would have understood it. Because Widow did give a emotionally integrated performance of the song. I think it was just a shade more somber, you know, than the song called for. And Jackie, like starting off comedy separates her from jump and when it transitions into she get, it's almost like she realized the point of the song in the song to be exuberantly happy and then delivered that and it was beautiful to see so yes she nailed yes. it yeah. yes and watching jeff goldblum watch these two phenomenal drag queens who are making pol- strong and relevant political statements with what they did in this challenge yeah, lip sync to a very emotional song in a very real and emotional way. Watching him tear up was wonderful. Um, it also, I like that it normalized tears on this show because as I said in our episode last week, I thought it was extremely unfair of everyone and production to flip out at Jan for crying as opposed to allowing her the space to cry during a stressful time and have a human emotion and trying to pathologize exactly what it would mean in a screenplay. Um, also watching Jeff Goldblum cry made me ovulate, but that's more about me. <laughs> um, did you watch Untucked at all? I did not. Um, 
only because uh, Celebrity Drag Race was after this, and we're going to get to that in a second, but I assumed when they said that Celebrity Drag Race was now taking place instead of Untucked, that it meant Celebrity Drag Race was 30 minutes. You know, there'd be a quick drag, there'd be a mini challenge, there'd be a runway, and we could all go home. That sucker was 90 goddamn minutes. I watched three hours of drag last night, and I was tired. And drunk, but mostly tired. I had no energy to watch anything else. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I will say I did watch Untucked and I'm not, I mean, it was a lot of nothing, but what was something was good was there was discussion at one point about like how close they've gotten and like vulnerability and presence and conflict with one another and that they're generally like, they didn't describe it as a sisterhood, but they did like acknowledge that there's not really a lot of drama be between them and that America would probably love it if there was more fights or something happening here. And Jackie said something to the tune of the only thing is I feel like widow pulls away from us. And that I feel like is more about her than us. And it would be nice to have gotten to know her more and kind of every, uh, there was like a sort of Jada and Sherry were sort of like, you know, if you really feel that way, Maybe you should talk to her. Like you, it seems like the two of you are going into lip sync against each other. Maybe acknowledging to her something along those lines. And Jackie went over and said something about, and it was kind of very honest about like it's clear that Widow has like walls. Like Widow has defense mechanisms with people and pulls away. And that Jackie has tried to respect that, but she really respects her as an artist, and she wished she had done more to like make her feel welcomed or like available to her and um she had really insightful things to say along those lines and about how she really like cares about widow and respects her as an artist and widow turned to her and they both had like tears in their eyes and widow turned to her and said why do we always have to have these conversations when someone's dying um and they hugged each other and it was really affecting to hear them be so honest about the hardness of this. And I think going in, you know, they didn't know who would stay or who would go. I think Jackie was saying like, a, we don't know who's saying goodbye, but I want to say goodbye to you now. And it was very sweet. Wow. And it really, it really affected me. Yeah. Um, so. Ooh, okay. Affected me vicariously. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Widow's going home, and her goodbye broke my heart. When she said, you know, when, when she said, like, I'm sorry if I let you down, and I'm glad Rue said you didn't let us down. Um, yeah. But it was just, like, she's so locked into that. And I did, you're right. I just, like, I want her to understand, like, the worst she's ever done has been not be incredible. And she's just, it's just unfortunate. She's in a season where everyone at some point has been incredible. A powerhouse season. Yeah. So it's just like she kept internalizing every not win, every critique as some deeply personal flaw where it's just like. And it wasn't. No, there's a, you know what? There's a great meme. It's, it's an episode. It's a clip of Patrick Stewart as Captain Picard saying, you know, you can make no mistakes and still lose. That's not, or that's not a flaw. That's life paired with a picture of Beyonce expressing much the same sentiment. And I agree. If, if Captain Picard and Beyonce say the same thing, it must be true you can do everything right and still not win. That's not a value judgment on you. And I am very sad that she took it that way. And I'm not saying the show went out of its way to stop that feeling, but it's like 
she is an amazing queen. She was staggering in those first few episodes. She she had looks and materials and shapes and volumes that were like so interesting and so different, especially for queen of size. Like it was really great to see that like that woman who walked in got a little lost over the course of the season. And yes. that that is sad. Yes. Agre- especially because as much as the sort of setup of the show implicitly, you know, is like you're all competing for this money and to be this queen and to win. And the sort of implication of that is like, you didn't come here for a runner up trophy or a participation prize. The reality, at least pre Corona and hopefully <laughs> after is that this show got big enough and important enough that it was the biggest thing in its, in the drag industry by, by a long shot. And all of these girls left with careers winning what really is not everything on Drag Race. And this was a powerhouse season where Widow's only crime ever was to not be the best amongst a group of amazing girls. She did phenomenal drag, and my hope and assumption is that she will move on to a lucrative drag career because of this. I know that she didn't win this competition, but she, she didn't lose either. Um, and I hope she realizes that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to say this for something else I like about Widow looking back on the last nine episodes. Even when she was at her lowest, she never took it out on other people. There's there's just not a scene of her laying into a queen unnecessarily, or even, even, in, the, even in the talking heads, I don't think she was ever out of pocket with a comment. Like, you know, they, they want you to say something shady, so you say something shady. It just, there was never a moment where she lashed out and that's a sign of real maturity to, to even when you're at your low point to know how to manage your emotions and actions to not like there was never a moment where she did something mean and then tried to paper over it with what she was going through, at least not that I can recall. Right. And that's a sign of real maturity because, you know, we all feel bad. We all feel low, especially Jesus Christ now. Um, and looking back, she, she, she never let that curdle her against other people. And that's a, that's the mark of like a really good person. Yes, I. she has had a very hard life, and you can tell she has walls and she has defense mechanisms, and some of those things make her stronger, and some of those make her weaker, and that's the reality of trauma. Yeah. And that's all real. But I think, at least for me, oh god, I'm just thinking about that Untucked episode and getting teary-eyed during this. Um, at least for me, the episode where Widow and Jan were in the bottom, in Untucked, Shaka came in and really built up widow and jan came over to talk to widow and widow built up jan widow was feeling like i can do this and jan came over to kind of say goodbyes and widow in that moment said she built herself up and she built jan up she said let's give them a reason to keep us both here and i feel like in that moment i really like saw widow von du and like the very good person that she is at her base. Yeah. Um, and so I hope she knows how impactful her presence was in this and what a phenomenal drag queen we all think she is. Yeah, she, um, she did not win this show, but she is by no definition a failure. Yes. Um, all right. And on that surprisingly teary note yeah, we're gonna, for this very emotional episode. We're, we're going to collect ourselves and put on some fresh setting powder. Uh, so we're going to take a break and come back and talk about... Uh, Secret Celebrity Drag Race. Are you experiencing upset stomach after a few weeks of dry food stuffs, bottom shelf alcohol, and existential dread? 
Worried you're not sufficiently stocked with toilet paper for all the processed foods you've been eating? Hoping to make a nooner with your man, or just the Instacart delivery man, part of your shelter-in-place routine, if only to feel the reassuring touch of another human being once more? Fiber for Bottoms is here to help. Just a few pills twice a day will cling to your intestines like you're clinging to the faint hope that this will all be over soon, and clear your insides out, leaving you fresh as a daisy with only one wipe. You'll be able to stretch that toilet paper until whenever this nightmare ends. It's fiber for bottoms, and it's here to clean out your colon as often as you're cleaning your hands. Why? Because, hey, wouldn't it be nice to feel things again? I'm rubbing these thighs like they harmonize, and I'm still serving looks while I'm eating these fries. And we're back. It's time to discuss secret celebrity drag race. The secret being that they're celebrities. <laughs> I did not, this, they kept that secret so well, I didn't know who they were even after they told me. <laughs> Same Z's. I do know Nico Tortorelli, uh, but that's about it. And Jordan Connor, I did recognize from Riverdale because I did watch Riverdale. Because if you have a bunch of shirtless twenty-three-year-olds playing high school athletes, obviously I'm going to show up. But uh, and he was good on the show. He's a fine little actor. But it was also just like the man doesn't have his own Wikipedia page. I think you need a Wikipedia page before they can call you a celebrity. Just putting that out there. Uh, that being said, let me start with a general comment that I think will inform my whole take on this on this enterprise. It was trash, and I loved it. It was so dumb. It was perfect. Just it was it. It managed to achieve what I think Rue meant to achieve with the debate parody in the real world, where it, it just this was permission to find something stupidly, deliriously funny and charming and pointless and meaningless and with no stakes. And I laughed my ass off for an hour and a half. And sure, it was probably because I started the episode at like 1 a.m. and I had been drinking all day. But something about this was just perfect. It was so stupid that I didn't have to expect anything from it. So everything it gave me was a gift. I would say that I did not take it seriously from its conception. I was surprised that they called it Secret Celebrity Drag Race. I was expecting, like, C-list celebrities that it would be fun to have, and we absolutely did not have that. And I think more than anything, it was about highlighting the comedic brilliance of some of the show's most noteworthy alum, more so than it was at all really about the contestants agreed um i do think that we're in a time and place culturally where it's important for everybody to be having conversations about i mean i you know what i'm about to get real serious way earlier than i expected in this episode i think that the sexual revolution and the gay rights movement over the past half a century has dramatically done a lot and birth control frankly has done a lot to dramatically change sexual norms family norms and mores and i think we as a community have worked very hard to push many things forward and the gay rights movement has done a lot to make everybody including straight men question the very narrow box of social norms by which they have to adhere and i think that this we're in a place culturally where having a dialogue about that is important and i think this was in many ways you know, junk food TV, but I do think it 
it prompted that dialogue that I think needs to be had. And so that was one of the big highlights of it for me. I'll say something I was wondering how they would do, and I'm glad how they did it, was, you know, we do the makeover episodes, and obviously part of the fun of them is the, like, weird, like, the the straight men are uncomfortable. This is kind of fun, and a little bit of revenge for gym class. Um, But I was worried that it would turn into, is this just going to be straight people in queer spaces treating it like a zoo? And I didn't get a feel of that at all. Like, I really thought all of them were game and respectful and appreciated the art and talent on display that was like they all appreciated i'm in the presence of a master who's like apprenticing me and that's really interesting so it was it didn't it didn't feel it didn't feel like an episode of queer of like first generation queer eye which was kind of what i was afraid it would turn into i agree with you that it was not first generation queer eye i do feel odd about the lane that nico Tortorelli carved himself as a presence on this show and how much that felt like it was going against the grain of the sort of intended conceit of it. Not that he did it and was himself, but that he was so aggressive about it the whole time. Um, He identifies as pansexual and non-binary and he is married to someone else who identifies as pansexual and non-binary he has done a lot of like gender expressive looks historically and so it was interesting to have him so aggressively like having these straight guys here the whole time was i think it's nice that it wasn't such a reductive binary but also it felt like he was so aggressive about it yeah that it was yeah i get that kind of i don't know it it felt a little manic coming from him agreed that's the word yeah it, that's the word i've been looking for yeah it was it was very it, yeah manic yeah um but for me i feel like what i really enjoyed about this was i i did enjoy that element and i enjoyed the sort of sincerity with which they came you know obviously the one his mother has passed away but she was a lesbian um the other guy has the guy from riverdale has a gay brother and sister um and that sort of familiarity and affinity, but also like this isn't my space or my yeah. lane was yeah. interesting. But for me, I was way more excited to see Trixie Trixie and Bob and probably to a lesser extent, but also Monet. Yeah. Um in this forum being funny. If anything, I felt like it highlighted them more than it did the celebrities. Uh, and to the show's benefit. Yes. And I feel like these celebrities um are not enough of celebrities that this would only serve them well. Right. I was surprised that... I honestly am surprised that there aren't, like, people who are more in... How do I say this? People who are closer... Who have a bigger public image than this. People who are more celebrities than these guys who wanted to be on this show. Yeah. Because um, I think it is, in this day and age, it's like... It actually would just serve to to serve it would work to serve you well yeah i was excited about trixie and bob and i'm just like oh jesus this is gonna be great and of course their banter off the cuff right off the bat perfection i was excited for monet just because i know bob and monet do uh sibling rivalry so i'm like well their their shtick will be real refined was not disappointed uh it's also great like they take the piss out of each other so perfectly and with such like it's the right balance of humor and affection and familiarity 
and a little bit of mean, just a little, just a tiny single grain of yeah. it, which is perfect. Uh, the other thing I really liked about the show uh, was, and again, th- I was just thinking back to the earlier seasons. Drag has gotten very refined. It is very aware that it's on an HD camera now, so these girls turn up with looks made by third-party designers that are tailored to the within an inch of their lives, and they're everything like. It was fun to see messy, stupid drag again. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I enjoyed it. Was, it almost felt like a callback to those first couple of seasons when, whew, shit was busted. And I don't know. It just, it it made me happy to see this element of drag a little closer to its roots when it, when it was people emulating high fashion, not people with access to high fashion, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I get what you're saying. Uh I think there's a lot of good and bad with how Drag Race has trained drag, but overall, I think I tend, as much as I feel like I am somebody who rip, is just old enough to really remember what drag culture in gay bars in both New York and Chicago was like before Drag Race, um, overall, I do think it has had a positive impact. But yeah, no, there there is something to be said for the like goofy playfulness of this. Um, what did you think of the contestant performances overall? Uh, during the, during that first quick drag setup, uh, what was, oh, we don't, we don't have to talk about that. It was, (laughs) but it was just, it was more just a tone thing. Who was the, who was the comedian? What was his name? Uh, wrote them down. Uh, Jermaine, he was covering up the breastplate and I couldn't tell if he was going to be the awkward straight guy who doesn't know why he's here. And I think that might just be initial discomfort because he got into it later. His, his Kavina heart was actually very funny and i think like a perfect encapsulation of what Ru- the three of them did better at snatch game than a lot of the actual contestants have done yep yep like just straight because they're actors because they're actors yeah they, they, it's an acting challenge it's actually more in their wheelhouse than a lot of these drag queens. yeah they 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 all nailed it like like even uh nico with his lucy was the closest to unable to let go of the joke but he did it so well that you didn't mind. And I thought Jordan and Jermaine did a great job of being in the moment, responsive to questions, good banter. Like it took less work to get them to play this game correctly. (laughs) Yeah, no, I completely agree. (laughs) I completely agree. And I agree with your assessment of the performances, the lip sync. I do feel like, what is the guy from Riverdale's name? uh, Jordan. I do feel that Jordan was the only one who did a good lip sync. And thus, Rue absolutely had to crown him. Yeah, Nico um, was too manic, and Jermaine was kind of just marking time. But it's fine. No one does anything great their first time. But yes. Jordan was fine. He was he was very good and a very pretty girl. Like, you look at his face, I'm like, oh yeah, you're going to make a very beautiful woman. I will say, th- they even managed to suck in some genuine moments. Like, uh, Jordan talking about uh, giving the money to the cystic, what was it, uh, Cystic Fibrosis cystic Foundation. Fibrosis. And Jermaine talking about his mother. Because that was actually a fun... It, it, that reminded me of something. I took an art class a year ago. And we were doing self-portraits. And I look a lot like my father. So I expected I would see my father staring back at me. But when I had just only like laid down like eye shape, mouth... like You know, like you do like the basics to like lay down that undersketch. That looked a lot like my mom. And I did not anticipate that. And it was like a, we- it was like a real moment for me of like how much of my mother is still in my face. Even though I generally look like my father. So I kind of responded to that like... Oh. Girl, no, you look like your mother. You don't look like your father. Your coloring is a little... No, <laughs> like, like, that's very funny. I mean, 
I sound shady. Not to be a bitch, <laughs> but no, have as a good friend of yours who has met both of your parents, you look like your mother more than your father. I'm surprised to hear you say that. Interesting. Yes, dr- drawing a picture of you, I would expect. Oh wow, that's my mom's face looking back at me to be the response. But anyway, I, I found that very touching, and that's what made up like. I don't know what his discomfort was with the breastplate, if it was just because it was so new or it was falling out of the top or it was just weird. Maybe he was holding them up. Maybe that was just hurting his back. But when he when he flipped to seeing me in drag is like this weird, is this unexpected way to connect to my mother who's gone. That really got me. I'm like, well, that's real. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. And for him, like seeing the picture of her was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. I'd be feeling away right now if I was him, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, that 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 was interesting. What did you think about Trixie's discussion about straight men and like expectations of masculinity and like internalized homophobia generally? And her discussion about not having yeah, I thought it was great. And her discussion about not having straight male friends still was interesting. It really struck a chord with me um you know so we make jokes about you know gay men who will grow up without homophobia or needing to come out of the closet and what will that make gay culture look like i think we like there's a whole generation of straight men coming up who are going to be more in touch with their feelings who are going to be more emotionally healthy and that's going to be a fascinating world to live in if we all get there yeah oh no i definitely i i've said this literally giving speeches at big corporate events the gay rights movement has done a lot to transform the lives of everyone, including straight people, and has normalized men being able to have emotions in a multitude of ways. I do think you're right. I think we think a lot about what is, or we talk, I mean, I'm not even joking when we talk about it in this podcast, but we talk about what is it like going to be like for a generation growing up where being gay is not so shameful that it is traumatic and you are living a double life growing up knowing you're gay and not being able to share that with anybody. Um, But I also think the normalization of fluidity, homosexuality, the, the reduction in sort of stereotypical gender norms that are being enforced on kids, I do think it's going to be interesting. And frankly, I do feel like Gen, the few Gen Zers I do know well, I mean, it is like, wow, you're just like so much more emotionally balanced men than my generation yeah, like like even even just a even just like dedication to the core idea that you know honesty with yourself is important and awareness of your feelings is a virtue like that is that is a huge difference than you know the the john wayne type our, our fathers and grandfathers grew up with right right no for sure I, I hope that it eventually leads to television shows wherein the protagonist does not need to be boring john snow brooding because that as a gay man Oh, you're you're brooding and you have daddy issues. I'll take you home, but I won't let you stay the night. Like, <laughs> no, ma'am. Uh, uh-uh. uh, not for me. Um. All right. Do you have much more to say on Celebrity Drag Race? Because I, I feel pretty. I think we covered it. I will only say I think Trixie got the line of the night when she gave the scepter to uh, Baby Kinsel and goes, first time in drag wins an award. Huh. That fucking." killed me i almost first stay in drag wins drag race yeah that was fucking perfect <laughs> yes trixie is so good she's such a brilliant comedian um i love her so much and this was fun to watch it was junk food but it was junk food i wanted to 
watch. And I frankly, I think a forum for the show to highlight some of their best alumni is fun. Yeah, I, like, I, and I'm I, here for it. I think the D-list, E-list, unlisted celebrity aspect of it might take it the notch above uh, Drag U, where those were like civilians. So you kind of have to, the, the, just the way you approach that is different. I think having even low-end celebrities do it frees you from any like any emotional honesty we stumble into is a prize where drag you, I think was more consciously going for these like truly transformative moments for real people. Uh, so I think all of the things seem balanced here to give me Queens. I fucking love being hilarious and people who appear to be game for doing it uh, and having a good time. Like, yeah, I was stunned by how much I enjoyed myself and I've been okay throughout all of this. I have thought I can think of very few times where I can say, "Oh, that was great. That was just like a great hour of my life where I really felt normal and good as opposed to just not bad." And yeah. this was surprisingly one of them. Like it it felt like I felt watching this the way I normally feel watching drag in the real world. Yeah, no. Oh, that that is absolutely true. All right. Well, uh that is it. For me this week is there anything else you wanted to say hersla uh, other than a ge- generic wish that everyone stays safe and sane through the next week of this until we're back for the next episode yes i second that uh all right thank you so much everyone for le- listening please rate review subscribe i've been conde nasty and i'm hersla the bye, bye.